Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com. Check out all their podcasts, all their live events, everything they got cooking. That is OsirisPod.com. In this episode of Across the Margin, the podcast, I present an interview with Louis Michaud. Best known as the fiddle player and lead singer for the Grammy Award-winning Lost Bayou Ramblers. Reb Du Troubadour, the first solo album from Louis, and the focus of this episode is set for release on September 22nd, just this Friday. Special guests on these recordings include guitar wizard Bambino and critically acclaimed singer slash cellist Layla Makala, among others. Although known as a fiddle player, Louis can be found performing on guitar, bass, triangle, samplers, percussions, and accordion on the album. Some of the eclectic, captivating tracks feature him playing every part, while others find him backed by bassist Brian Webray and drummer Kirkland Middleton of the Ramblers. Middleton also engineered and mixed the album at Nina Highway Studios in Louisiana with various talented musicians building on tracks Louis recorded at his home houseboat studio. Though Louis has published over a hundred songs, he feels that Reeve Du Troubadour is his first collection of writing as these songs tell their stories in much greater depth than he's achieved before and utilize words peculiar to Louisiana French which seldom appear in musical compositions. Louis' passion for Louisiana French and local folklore and sustainability in the fastest disappearing landmass in the world are what fuels his career as a musician. With over 20 LPs under his belt, his music career continues to push the boundaries of Louisiana French music traditions. Let's hold up for a minute and listen to the excellent title track from the album real quick.
So, in this episode, Louis and I discuss his Cajun roots and the varied influences that helped shape his unique musical stylings. We thoroughly explore his latest album, how it was crafted in his studio, which was built in a houseboat dry docked on his property, and how many of the soundscapes on it were inspired by nature and the ethnomusicologist Alan Lomax. We talk about the amazing guests featured on the album, what to expect from his forthcoming tour, his work in scoring films, and so much more. A quick note that the track that ends this episode is one we talk about in the interview called Le Cas de Marguerite, featuring the aforementioned Bambino and Leila Makala. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. It's clear Louis is a great person as well as a great musician. His album is absolutely captivating. Check it out. And I know you'll learn a whole lot from this interview with Louis Michaud. Podcast. How's, how's it going? Cool, cool. Uh, it's good. Much better than this morning. Sorry about the uh, mix-up there. No, don't you? Don't you? You know, I know. I knew when we kind of uh, booked this. I knew about your tour and that this was kind of a wild date to book. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time, anyways. Yeah, no, definitely. Man, I looked. I looked at Charles. Uh, at Charles page. It looks awesome. I love it. It's very uh, honored to be a part of this. Very cool. Oh, that, that, that's really cool. I'm honored to have you on. You know, it's been a lot of fun. I wasn't familiar with a ton of, uh, you know, the Lost, uh, uh, the Lost Bayou Ramblers. And, and obviously, you know, and all of us are just getting acquainted with your, your current album or about to. And it's been tons of fun digging into your world. And I think that's kind of a fun place to start before we talk about the album, which is terrific. It's really, really great. Um, I'd love to hear just a little bit about you and your kind of influences and when you, when did you start uh, kind of, when did you start playing and, and maybe what did you start playing as well? Cause you play so many instruments on this album. I'm sure it seems like fiddle is kind of your main go-to, but uh, where did it all begin? No, thank you so much. I'm uh, yeah, that's what is special about this album is that I do really draw influences from when I started playing music, you know, through my most current inspirations and such, but uh, I did start playing violin was my first instrument, but it was like, you know, I was, I don't know, must've been nine years old, took some lessons, kind of, kind of got through it and then just decided I wanted to stop, you know, I wasn't even a teenager yet. When I turned 12, I picked up the uh, electric guitar. When my brother, my brother was awesome awesome guitar player andre who's the accordion player for lost by you ramblers he's in the band with you, and yeah. he would go to like yeah exactly he would go to uh like school practice and such i would go steal his his acoustic guitar and mess with it and learn how to play it and uh then my uncle passed me a pawn shop les paul guitar that i learned on nice and uh i did that for quite a few years and just figured out the guitar by myself with my brother showing me some things and uh, eventually, when I was about 14, I was asked to join the family band that could have me show on the stand-up bass. Wow. So, and triangle. So, you know, by the time I was an early teenager, I was already playing a few instruments, but I hadn't picked the fiddle back up yet. 
and I had I had like a lot of bands throughout high school with with friends and such. And at the same time, I was playing with the family band, the Cajun band, Le Frami Show. Mm-hmm. So what were you? And, uh, so, uh, oh, go on, please continue. This is great. No, 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 no. That's I think that's good. But I mean, the next thing that happened is basically I started learning French and playing fiddle when I was like nineteen, and uh, then we started Lost Bayou Ramblers that same year so that's what i've been doing since then until this this is like the first time i've kind of branched back out from playing the fiddle but it's still french (laughs) what were you what were you listening to around this time that um obviously you know you get inspired to to learn french and and play this sort of music we're just kind of uh, deep into the the music of the bayou and, and creole music well, when I was when I was a teenager playing guitar and such, I was listening to Andre and I would listen to our dad's record collection, uh-huh. which included you know everything from Jimi Hendrix to CCR to Led Zeppelin, and, uh-huh. uh, and we were playing with the family band, but we weren't listening to Cajun music. Gotcha. And so you know, I was listening to all kind of, and I was starting to get into world music and jazz. I was listening to like Coltrane and Miles Davis and. Uh, you know, listen to these like world programs um, with that gamelan orchestra uh-huh. from Bali and just Indian music and just really starting to absorb all the music of the, of the world uh, beyond that and really being inspired, which ended up kind of leading me full circle to kind of finally getting an appreciation for my, for our own music, for, you know, Cajun and Creole music. But I was like eight, by the time I was like 18, I finally was like, Okay, this music we play is actually pretty cool too. You know, I, before that, I was just doing it. You know, it was fun. I was really having a good time, but I wasn't, you know, actively into it. That's cool. I was curious, and I love that how it kind of came around to kind of, kind of music that that is, you know, something that that hits home in a major way. So you've been putting out music with the Lost um, Bayou Ramblers since I believe 1999. Uh, what stirred you to strike out on, uh, uh, you know, on your own here? Yeah, um, this is, you know, Lost by Ramblers has obviously been my main creative outlet with my brother and our bandmates. Yep. And uh, I've also had a bunch of other side projects and such doing different, you know, to kind of scratch different itches and just whatever was happening naturally other musicians. And when I wrote this material, it I wasn't sure what project it fit with. I wasn't sure if it was, it didn't seem like it was for the Lost by Ramblers, like kind of toyed with it being from Misho's Melody Makers, which was active at the time. Yep. And like I had a few other bands. It, just, it, it didn't seem like it fit any of the projects and some of my bandmates in the Melody Makers kind of agreed that, I mean, they kind of, I was like, yeah, ah, this doesn't sound like it's for this band. Maybe you're doing your own thing. And I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of like, am I doing, do I, am I doing my own thing? Do I really want to do my own thing? <laughs> do I want to put my name on it? And uh-huh. uh, I just kind of finally was like, well, you know, I've been doing all these things for all this year, and this, but this material was just birthed in me spending days and hours and months in isolation during, I mean, besides being with my family yep. during the pandemic. Uh-huh. And so it was definitely my own, my own inspiration, creativity, writing, whatever I was experiencing in my life. And I just said, you know what? I've been doing all these bands for all these years. And I guess, I guess I can finally put my name this feels right to put my name on this i never had a reason to before yeah that makes sense obviously if you're spending time all that time pulling these pieces of you together and crafting it in that way that's it, it all makes sense this, i mean you kind of alluded to real quick that the melody 
makers might not be active. Uh, just pardon my ignorance here. Are the lost um, Bayou Ramblers active still? Yeah, def definitely, okay. definitely. So, uh, yeah, I went from having like nine act being part of nine <laughs> active bands in 2020 uh -huh. to now just just this and that basically. Tight I do play with the Ferrami show a, a little bit, but yeah, that's about it. Um, so am I correct in reading, uh, I read that your studio is, is, is built on a houseboat uh, that's dry docked at your home. Can you tell us about that a little bit? That sounds cool. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine was one, a friend of mine and our the Lost Light Ramblers producer, Corey Ritchie. Uh, from, from, from LCD Sound System, right, as well? Cor correct, correct, yep. exactly. So he was trying to make, he had this vision for a houseboat studio. And he ended up bringing it to life, and he, in fact, um, just uh, just docked it for the first time, and it's, like, finished. He drove it. I'll let, I'll let – I'm not going to put out that story for him, but he sure. did succeed is what I'll say. And he, But he gave me the first shell that he had bought to make it happen and because he ended up getting a big – like, going moving on to a more silent hall, more seaworthy and such. And this one just stayed on the trailer of my house. Hey, can I leave this here? Like, do you have room? I have eight acres. But yeah, sure, you can be there. So uh, during the pandemic, I finally had time to get in there and renovate it. And I ended up moving in as my office, which made him really happy because it was just sitting there. like, oh, man, finally, that thing's being put to use. He named it Sister Ray. It was a steam uh. boat. It was like a, a paddle wheel boat. <laughs> he named it Sister Ray after uh, the, the uh, Velvet Underground song. Yep. And uh, uh, and so I moved in there. I made like a plywood floor and like some two by four shelves and such. And I ran an extension cord, put a little AC unit, and I ended up making that my little studio for uh, about two years. And that's where I recorded the bass for most of these tracks. And then we ended up. So I did that all by myself with like a four track wow. reel to reel, two two mics recording the birds and nature around me, and two mics recording the music for the most part. And uh, I just poured just countless hours in the before dawn and after dusk and all in between. And uh, whenever I could for many months. And then, then I kind of realized, well, I have some material and I brought it to the Melody Makers. Mm -hmm. And then that was when we brought it to the big studio, which, which was uh, in the front of in the house next door to me, which was Mark Bingham's Piety on Prairie studio. And, uh -huh. uh, and then Kirkland Middleton and the Melody Makers ended up taking up the engineering on that session and ended up engineering the entire rest of the album uh, at that studio and mixing it. That's, so, that's great. This, I, you just kind of uh, touched on it real quick. I absolutely love how you kind of captured the, the natural environment and nature around you and, uh, and, and embed it in the album. It's, it's, it's brilliant how you do that and adds like a whole different texture to it. Um, I, uh, I read that ethnomusicologist Alan Lomax inf influenced the, the album in a major way. Uh, how so? Yeah, I was, you know, of course, his collection has been quintessential in representing a lot more depth in the, um, in the repertoire and like in the, the broad diversity of what Louisiana French music actually is and where it comes from. Like, mm -hmm. if we didn't have those recordings, we, we'd be so much less knowledgeable where it comes from and have such a, no doubt. a less diverse repertoire to work with. I mean, mm -hmm. what made it through is traditional, 
you know, tradition, like what we call traditional music, kind of all follows the same framework, which is, you know, that's what Lost Bayou Ramblers is based off of the yep. traditional Cajun music framework. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, pulling songs from the Lomax collection automatically makes you work a little differently because, you know, for one, from over just, they're actually the two I did are only acapella. So I had to like mm. put the music to it, you know, and which is a very open interpretive process. And, and it's, to me, it's very interesting to think where did these people learn this song and under what conditions was someone playing it on a, on an instrument and singing it was a drinking song. You know, how is this one person just singing this in the 1930s on the, <laughs> on like a random bar in New Iberia or a house in New Iberia? Where did they learn? You know, and, and they all sound so old. They sound like they're from, you know, anywhere from, I mean, they could be anywhere from like modernish, like uh, traveling minstrel shows to like sounding that they're from like 1600s France or something, you know? So there's, it's just, it really just opens up the spectrum of uh, of way beyond what we consider the traditional Cajun field genres. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love to talk about a couple of the songs uh, that are on the album and start with the title track. Um, and it's, it's you know, it's kind of tough uh, not knowing the language. It's I mean, it's so beautiful experiencing that language experience in that way. But, um, you know, I, I'd love to ask kind of what this one is about. It's got this deep feel. Uh, to it, and I know you know that the title does mean Troubadour's Dream. Um, what is uh, what's 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 that one about? It, it also it features some fine whistling as well in there. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. When I well, when I woke up one morning, I had that melody in my head, which is based off of a traditional melody, actually, but called La Vosta Shadow Key. So when I went to figure out the chords, which are completely different than it was normally played. I started whistling it to get the melody while I was playing on the guitar and I recorded it like that. And that's, and I'm okay, well, that's how it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, my great, great grandma was a, actually a professional whistler oh, wow. in, the, in the silent films. And my brother and I both whistle all <laughs> Kind of something I've always wanted to do in like a little homage to her. But um, but the this, this subject matter of the song is really about you know it's about kind of you know the whole the whole rev the troubadour thing is kind of keeping your own stories and stories from your society stories from your own culture's past or you know or, or current events that's what troubadours did was they keep keep stories alive whether they're new or old and this Rev the Troubadour is kind of kind of my story, but in the sense of just trying to make it as a human being, you know, like yeah. um, you know, I'm being a musician, the violin is my uh sword and the pen is my dagger. So being a, a mm. troubadour right there, being a musician and a writer, and the rest is basically like being comfortable in one's own head, and that my head is my shelter. And I'm riding the horse with the the reins loose. I mean, I'm not trying to control it too much. Kind of let it take where it takes me. And uh, you know, and then it kind of goes to this part about if I show up, you can offer me a coffee, or even better, a coffee and a pipe. And a little French saying that goes, 
a little coffee to smoke with. Uh, it's like you drank a little more. Oh, we have to smoke a little more. Oh, we need some more coffee to go with the smoke. Okay, we need some more smoke to go with the coffee. You know, <laughs> so it's like kind of smoking and drinking, uh, cigarettes, coffee, weed, whatever. But uh, uh, and uh, and then basically having an appreciation for the the past times, even though they were rough and dark, um, people were more content with what they had. And didn't feel the need to advance so fast. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I love that. I love everything. You said. The sword and dagger talk was really, really awesome. There, that's interesting too. It's great. It's great to hear. I was so curious what it's about. It's got this super amazing feel to it. There's also this other track I want to bring up. That's um, it's kind of something I really haven't heard before in all my days. It's um, described as a swamp rap song. Um, it's really, really cool. And and it's, what I, I I saw too that it was um. Uh, just kind of reading more about the album that it was kind of inspired some of the sounds within it um and i guess uh dickie landris whose sax on it's amazing too um uh you know his his soundscape might have come from this but the ivory build um woodpecker inspired some of the soundscapes there i'd love to hear you talk about this swamp rap song that's uh, found on the album yeah definitely definitely um and i was gonna offer i could also I could send the lyrics because I know y'all do like a lot of poetry and stuff. I would love that. I'm, you know, that's something that I mean, personally, and also something I'd love to share as I, I, I get this word out about the album. I mean, there's there's a lot that I know I'm missing that because it's obviously got this rich folklore uh, thing to it. I would absolutely love to see those lyrics. Yeah, I have them all. I have them all. Um, I think Howard actually has them, but I can just hey. send them to you, or, or I can ask Howard to send them. Oh, Please, I'll yeah, remind him like, as well. Yeah, ask him if and if he's and if he's uh, points it over to me, I'll just send them. And uh, awesome. And because um, it read the troubadour too, there's like interesting linguistic things going on about you know the the violin of my sword, and then I say the, the I have the bow in one hand, um, and the other hand has the reins of the horse loosely held. Mm-hmm. But I say that the bow is is strung up in tarabi. And tarabi is the word for horsehair. It's also the word for cured Spanish moss. Oh, damn. And it's like a Native American word that actually means a rope made of Spanish moss. But if you, how do you say horsehair for a bow in, in Cajun French? It's tarabi. Uh-huh. And the same stuff that I used to build the house I built out of bousillage with the mud and everything. So it's like a lot of word plays going on. And then the other one that comes to mind is uh, the pipe, the word for pipe when I say a uh, a little coffee to smoke with. Uh-huh. It's cachambo, cachambo, and I was like, man, I've never actually heard that word. It was the Louisiana French Dictionary, and I asked, and I said, it kind of sounds Portuguese, and it, and I, and I asked a friend of mine who speaks Cajun French and Portuguese. He said, yeah, that's what my cousins say when they go smoke it's cachambo, and uh, and turns out it's from it's an Angola, it's from Angola. Oh wow. So I went from Angola to Portuguese to Cajun French, and it's just that's a lot of this whole process. And there's some of that in Bosco Yo Flow, which I'll turn to. I just kind of wanted to offer the lyrics and say that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bosco Yo Bosco Yo Flow just came to me as I was walking out by myself through this dried, seasonally dry swamp across the road from my house. It's actually the same exact location where we decided to film the video and do the cover photo shoot so if you there's a, a, a music video for Bosco Yo Flow that we filmed yep. back in that same swamp 
and uh, that's where the cover shoot comes from. No, because that's where I wrote that song, mm-hmm. and I was just walking through there, and it's like you just get lost back there. There's just there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing, but it's ever is in every. That's the first lines of the word is walking. There's nothing, but it's everything. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm walking uh along. The, I'm walking along the coulee. There's nothing, but it's because like, it's literally it's like tall meadows and cypress trees and vines and cypress knees and everything. But there's like you don't hear a sound. You don't see barely a bird or an animal. It's just so quiet, and you're lost because like there's no way to feel direction. And even like I've been there a hundred times, but I still get lost. It's just part of the experience you get you find your way out but uh so uh no and then and i and like i said there's nothing it's everything no one's on this route no one's on this road on this path and it really kind of it's to me i liken it to the path i'm on not just that moment but like artistically or just navigating one's own life you know and so that's what that song is about it's just kind of experiencing the way things in the way I have to. And then I kind of get into the, like, I'm, I love rap and I love hip hop, but I never do it because I'm not yeah. a rapper. Uh-huh. But, I, you know, but I but I just wrote this in the rhythm and I felt it and I just wrote it. And I performed when I got it back, but I kind of go into the, a little bit of a boastful, like, you know, a little bit of a boastful spirit in it. Like, uh, I shine bright, but only inside so you can't see it and you can't find me because I'm hiding between the cypress roots and like, you know, stuff like that. And, and, uh, so, and I talk about my life and like, I was born when it snowed on the Atchafalaya basin and, you know, my dad can only tell the story and you just all these different word plays and some sayings that I learned from an old Creole woman who was uh golden Thibodeau's wife, Miss Teres, who I play, he's like the, one of the last Creole Lala performers. And every time I call her, she's like, like, how's it going? And she says in French, she says, oh, call me de la conte. And this is during COVID. She goes, oh, it's not like cage. So call me de la conte means like the story goes. And then she always says something else. And it's always like, blows my mind. So she said, oh, me call me de la conte. On it's not like cage. Like the story goes, we're all in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's, that, I get it. We're in the pandemic and everyone's caged up, you know. <laughs> or she go, come and deal the con. As long as it's not worse, we're all right. And uh, if it's not one thing, it's another. And she always has a different saying, so I kind of stacked some of those up. You know, just all these oh. different. Oh. And then uh, basically, I made the bead myself. I mm-hmm. wrapped it myself all uh-huh. in that little boat. And then when it came time, I, I was like, what else can I put on there? And I was thinking Dickie Landry would just. He's perfect for this because he's just so free form and there's wow. a lot of space so for that. Because I played all the other instruments, uh-huh. and uh, and then and then once Dickie got there, I was reminded that my dad and my well, my uncle and my was joining my dad in the search for the Iberville woodpecker in the 1970s, and which he's still actually oh. searching for today, and has finally been published with some information with some findings, some pretty legitimate scientifically published oh, wow. findings. So so he's been on the search since the 70s. Finally, just finding it this year, so it's amazing timing, having some some proof this year with his partners, colleagues. So I was reminded of when the 70s, when my uncle took the recording 
of the Iberville Woodpecker, showed it to Dickie Landry, and Dickie Landry made a piece called The Call of the Iberville Woodpecker and presented it at um, the Documenta, he told me this weekend, it was a Documenta art showing in Germany. That's a yearly big art, you know, yeah. exposition. So he did that in the 70s. I caught him, uh, what, two years ago, and he's 84, I think now. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said, oh, yeah, remember that Ivoryville Woodpecker? And I was trying to kind of, well, he Dickie Landry, he played with us this past Friday in Lafayette, sat in on the song, and he took the mic before he started. He said, you know, and he never does this. I've never, like, seen him just pull the mic and start talking. And he said, uh, yeah, Louie called me to come over, and he, he said, yeah, I'll, I wanted, you know, I wanted to sound like the wind blowing through the moss and the and the cypress trees and all that. And it's like, oh, yeah, I think I did say that. And I also said the Iberville Woodpecker, and we played that old recording from 1935. So he completely just kind of did some call and response. We hadn't even had the, uh, we didn't even put the, the Iberville Woodpecker in. It was actually the last thing to go in the song. So it kind of happened completely organically, and it was the last thing, and it's kind of become a huge theme for the album and also a sim- kind of a metaphor for the language where it's, mm-hmm. you know, people say, oh, the language is, it's an extinct language, it's a dead language. And just like the Iberville, it's not, you know, it's, yeah. it's still there. You just got to look really hard for it. I, I love, that's, that's really, because I really love hearing how Dickie approached, approached that. Um, approached that sonically. That's really, really cool. So, I mean, we're talking about Dickie here. There's a lot of, uh, other excellent players on the album. I'd love to hear you talk about. I mean, the the Bombino track just kind of blows me blows me away. I absolutely love that one. Um, Layla's on it. How is um? Want to talk a little bit about the other players that that contributed to this album? Definitely. A bit? Definitely. So uh, I already met, mentioned that um, Kirk from Middleton uh, mixed uh, engineered mixed. You know the the mm-hmm. chunk of it that I didn't do. Yep. I mean, but the real engineering and mixing, um, I just, it's a preliminary engineering. And uh, Brian Weber, and, oh, and Kirkman also played drums and percussions, because um, he, and he plays drums live with me and in the Ramblers. Oh, cool. Uh, and then Bri- Brian Weber um, is also, plays live with me on this group and in the Ramblers. Mm. And uh, Brian did, uh, like, a lot of the basses, synth bass, um, a lot of uh, samples and uh, bass sticks and like uh, stand up, you know, all, all the, a lot of the basses and synth and like some synths and stuff. He did like the Rev the Troubadour synths. So Brian's all over it. Uh, Mark Bingham played on a few of the tracks as well, who was in the Melody Makers and whose studio was. Um, and then the special guests include, of course, Johnny Campos from the Ramblers played on the one song on T-Code of Blue along with Langhorn Slim, mm-hmm. both adding different levels of guitars. Uh, on Souvenir to Puerto Rico, Brian Weber plays stand-up bass. Layla McCalla plays the cello and string noise out of New York, which is Pauline Kim and Conrad Harris on violins really topped that song off with some surreal parts on the top of Souvenir to Puerto Rico. Um, which is something I've been working on a long time, learning and trying to learn Louis Moreau Gottschalk's uh, music. That's the only other cover on the album. It's, it's from 1856. Mm. And um, 
And then uh, also, of course, yeah, Bambino. I mean, that was a dream come true because that was the last song I recorded, the custom Marguerite. And I left the solo section there and I said, man, it'd be amazing if we could get Bambino in because I'd seen him a few years earlier. Uh-huh. But I was like, ah, that'll probably not. I mean, who knows how to find him all the way in Niger, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you. Know, but then he ended up coming. Uh, it must have been just a month or two later after he recorded, he ended up coming uh, to Latvia to perform. And so he came oh. and stayed. They stayed. And uh, it was a, we had a few days, and it was amazing. And then we, and then full circle, he put out his new album last weekend. And we did a show together in New Orleans, and he played with us on this track live this last past Saturday. That's tremendous. That, that's and tremendous. Layla, Layla McCallow was there as well doing the backup bubbles, just like the album. So it was completely full circle, and it was amazing that Bomb being there for sure. I mean, gosh. He's, uh, he's a freak. He's, he's, coming, he's coming through here next week, and uh, I just I can't wait to, to catch him. I love, I mean, there's so, I think we've mentioned full circle multiple times there's a lot of serendipity kind of coming together with the creation of this album and i love that you guys got to play that together live as as it's about to be born um something that just kind of came to mind i want to ask about the uh you mentioned your grandmother working in films a little bit you've worked a bunch i mean you um the the lost uh, bayou ramblers worked on scoring that's film i love um beast of the southern wild and you worked on i think it was i don't think it was them i think you were personally working on rodents of unusual size um, there's a lot of cinematic feel to it. Is that something you really enjoy doing, working on working on scores like that? Yes, love love working on uh, working on scores, and you know it's uh, yeah this this album as well. Does it feels like this was I wanted to make music videos for even just for that reason. But uh, in fact, uh, just before we started this tour, we were asked to do a score for this same the three of us uh myself kirkman and brian were asked mm-hmm. to do a score for the ivory bill woodpecker a documentary about the ivory bill woodpecker <laughs> so we scored that uh Perfect. just like a month ago so, so yeah i was like why well, just i yeah speaking of full circle that was yeah, once again <laughs> we were just asked yeah we were just asking you know yeah, love doing scores. Beast of Southern Wild obviously was a tremendous experience, and right. we actually had the easy part of that. They did all the all the hard stuff after we recorded our little part, but then we got to go play with the orchestras for years to come. We even played some of the music this year, uh, earlier this year with the Louisiana Philharmonic. Oh, cool! While while they're it's playing the amazing, movie, play amazing process still going. Oh, that's so. Oh. Yeah, we've done that. This time we just did like five pieces, but okay. we've done plenty of live. Like viewings were completely amazing. I mean, yeah. I would kill to see that. Yeah, definitely. It's so good. So, uh, just to round us up, don't want to hold you too much yeah. because I know you got tour starting tomorrow. Looking forward to to take these songs on the road. <laughs> who, who you got with you? Yeah, so it's myself, uh, Kirkland Middleton, and Brian Weber, uh-huh. and we've been performing as a trio. One, yeah, once I was okay. Well, here's the album. Now we got now we got to perform it. You know, <laughs> uh, you can't. I mean, you know, you can put it. You can put an album out without performing it, but you know, at this point, it was like, man, really, it was a big challenge for us to learn how to perform all the songs. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we started performing in January uh, at the Maple Leaf in New Orleans on a residency, and just I think oh. we're we're getting up somewhere around like 35 shows this year already. 
Awesome. So we're headed right out this minute out, out, out west to Portland, uh, Humboldt, Oakland. And uh, it's been really a blast performing these songs. And, you know, it takes a while to get comfortable with the material. So now that we have the record in hand, just as a few weeks ago, uh, now that we're finally, you know, really getting uh, our minds wrapped around the material. And we're doing a, a visual show with the lyrics, both in French and English. Um, being oh, wow. played at some of some of the venues that have the right you know setup, so oh, people yeah. can be more connected and follow along with the lyrics. That's really, really, really cool. I know I would really enjoy that as well. So, I uh, I can't wait for people to hear this. I know it comes out Friday because I just it it kind of blew my mind, and I love really learning about it, learning about your music, and talking about it more here. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time, and and especially right before you hit the road and, and talking about it coming on the program. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And uh, honestly, uh, I was going to say, let me know if there's anything I can do for uh, going to the Bombino show. Uh, you know, if uh, where, where where are you at? Where are you been? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Brooklyn, New York. So he's playing uh, Brooklyn Bowl. Cool, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's probably be a huge. I want to be a huge list going on, but let me know no, if there's no, any trouble. I can. I can text the manager or the drum person. <laughs> That's too cool of you to say, man. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm just exci- excited to be there. And, and yeah, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm, yeah. I believe I'm on the road when you're uh, here. You're playing Berlin on November 11th. And I'm, I think I'm out of town then, which bums me out. So I'm going to figure out another way to see, see this because I need to. I, you know what was interesting? I, I, maybe just one more question before you bounce. The, there was one show that was... Um, uh, it was kind of like the Dream Awake show that that's happening a two night musical dreamscape at the the chapel in New Orleans. What's that about? Oh, you is that did you did that come up already? That's on your tour I mean, list. Did you, okay, okay, I'll, I'll on put your it website. on. Uh, okay, it's on my website. Okay, yeah, yeah, good, yeah. good, good, good. <laughs> because I was like, I just emailed her yesterday. Well, <laughs> <laughs> How does this dude know? Yeah, definitely. No, uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. And it's kind of, that's the, you know, the, the duality of this material is that some of it just uh, so airy and dreamy and uh-huh. open-ended. And then, of course, the other element that we're most known for in our, you know, in Louisiana is the rhythm. Yep. And so that's kind of what I'm going with, like kind of a dream element and uh, featuring the saxophone player named Gladney who plays kind of that far out free jazz style and uh and really goes out there and then the next night we're gonna focus more on the that's the awake the awake side yeah. is like you know getting your rhythm on kind of getting your day going and we're gonna have uh Corey Ledette sit in that day and he's you know his first instrument is drums he plays drums on the Canadian Culture back step and he plays accordion which is actually technically a percussion instrument and he is a a virtuosic monster on the accordion and uh so he 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 actually has been playing some of the bomb like the bombino he fills in like on the bombino solos on um costa marguerite and then plays some of the other songs and it's been amazing playing with him on this material as well because he just really takes it to the level and brings a lot of rhythm to it that's so cool that's so cool well congrats on the album thanks for for the time talking about it safe uh safe journeys out there it's a real pleasure to talk to you about all this appreciate it All right, sounds awesome, appreciate you.
This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.